Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. How many people accidentally referred to the present company in real space as chat on accident? Hey, chat. <laughs> Oh, how many people as as you ended conversations with them were like, don't forget to like and subscribe. (laughs) Smash that like. Smash it. There's just like pops like and from all around the convention just being people like, smash, smash, smash it, smash it. Yeah. (laughs) I Uh, learned from one of my buddies that the way children play has been extremely influenced by Twitch streamers. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. I got my buddy John, who has a little kid in, in his household. And when I'll like go down to play Legos, the kid will be like, all right, I'm here to play some Legos today with my uncle John uh, and like be very <laughs> presentational I don't to that. no one at all. <laughs> wow. uh, I think that's extremely funny. And it also makes me want to keep my child away from every computer. Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> should probably do that. Smart. John, you're kind of reeling from an interaction that was kind of going well and then went really pear-shaped. Now you are alone in this unfamiliar bar full of people who are just behaving in ways that you you wouldn't recognize this from anywhere else you've ever visited. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah I, I guess maybe he's probably going to like grab another drink. Um, okay. and, um, no, it wouldn't make sense to try and like, yeah, he's going to post up and, and, and grab a drink. Sure. 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 Um, is John looking for anything right now? Is he, what, what's his plan now? Well, he knows that he knows that everybody has kind of been like done their assignments and, mm-hmm. and like is kind of like off on their like individual missions is like i can't really there's no one to check in with right now it's like out of game it's like there's other there's other threads to be to be pulled on this and i'm like i don't know if it makes sense to like manufacture a thing was like oh i could try to like follow her but that thread feels like we're kind of at the end of it yeah Okay. I could meet up with you. I don't think I'm doing anything right now. I you... think I think it might be a good idea for, yeah. for you two to meet up. I will say Gable's just been walking around and it's nighttime and they're trying to find just where the bar is and then <laughs> yeah. there's no signs. So they're just mm. following noise. And so they head and see Jonnet sitting by himself like, oh my gosh, I have had so many good interactions today. 
I love this town. Everyone's so nice. Amazing. I'm glad someone had a good thing happen. I know. What happened? I pulled a string. String broke. Uh, We don't have an in. We don't have an in for the factory right now. uh, Right now. That's... That's fine. Oh, we figure it out. Right now. If anything, I we can tunnel under the place or something. I don't know yet. 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 Hmm. Well You send off the you send off the stuffs? Yeah, I sent your letter. Uh right. oh, um how much have you had for beverages? Just the one. Okay. It's pretty watered down, it's pretty bad, kinda expensive. I... Apparently I have opinions about this now. Okay. Hey, that's great. I um I attempted to send your letter to Acheron. Yeah, what's good? It, and I don't want you to see this as a bad thing necessarily. It, wait, wait, wait! Hang on, hang on. Janet takes a drink, safely finishes it. Okay, what? It seems that your hometown is missing. It's not raised. It's not destroyed. It's just uh, not where it's supposed to be, apparently. And is every are people cool with that? I don't. I all I got was uh, essentially a return to sender. I think I was still. It? I sent your letter someplace. It'll go someplace. I don't know where it's going, but it'll try to get there. So Acheron's gone. I. Oh my God, Acheron's gone. Wait, that, that means every everyone is gone within it. And oh, what did I? And then he wait. He's like, wait, but the feather got back to me. Zana texted you, so we we have enough information to know that it's wherever they are. They're probably fine, but just not where they're supposed to be. And and she also didn't. She didn't mention Zana. Didn't mention that Acheron was gone in the feather. You also did not reply, so there might be a lot of extraneous information that you've not g- gathered yet from There's Zaka. only so much information you can fit on those feathers. On yeah, a feather, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. small. <laughs> I, I, don't, I didn't mean to freak you out, but I thought it was information you need, needed to know, and uh, if you uh, wanted to send in any further letters, it might be a challenge. Jonnet, I think at this information, this has surprised you so much that... It's one of those situations John is just inspired to stand up like, you know, like urgently as though there's something that I can do, finding out that my hometown is not where it is. And of course, not knowing what to do with that energy. And you sit down again after that. And suddenly you become aware that a weight at your hip that had throughout the day kind of become familiar is not there. You you cast about, like, trying to figure out what could be wrong, what could be different. And then, for the first time today, you become aware of the fact that this morning, you absentmindedly started playing with a cleaver in Oromar's office. (laughs) That you had hooked that onto your belt. And throughout the day, that cleaver was a part of your attire. You came in here... And you had it when you came in here. And now you know that it's not here. That it's disappeared. He gestures like, pats pats his hip. What the... What are y'all... Pick my 
pocket. I and then uh I think like it's like oh come on and then on on come on then his eye just like flares up and it is like he's kind of like looking around like which one of y'all took my and I guess he's kind of like hoping for direction to be like where this is pointing him in terms of like if he focuses on like the cleaver where is he being guided I need you to make a magic roll y'all also my cleaver i see <laughs> all right ba, 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 ba. okay what's my magic what's my magic three holy crap all right okay so i will also spend and upgrade this so that's going to be so if i upgrade one so that's going to be changing it to a d12 mm-hmm. and then so i'm gonna do that again all right so i have a six a seven and a nine. Okay. So six, seven, and... And the D12 up. is a nine. Okay. Another incredible success with lots of opportunities. Mm. So uh, we'll address the opportunities first. You, you, you got a plethora of opportunities with this role. And those opportunities are, we've established that Gable can sense malice, can sense killing intent. You can see the trails of history. Like you are casting about back through the the lines and possibilities of the universe, trying to look for the path of the cleaver when the cleaver departed you. And you can see through those lines interminglings of hungry malice. And you actually, like I think it traces back, these memories have just come to you. They were memories that it's almost as if they were plucked from you, stolen from you, severed away from you. And as the cleaver left your side, uh, you were able to slowly heal them back. And you basically, throughout your day, you can see the different ways the cleaver tried to strike at you. There are moments where, like, your hand nearly brushed by it and the cleaver changed its angle ever so much and nearly cut you. Uh, There was obviously moments where you were fiddling with it, where it slipped in such a way to try and make a lunge at you, and you absentmindedly corrected for that. Throughout your day, the cleaver at your side has been trying to strike at you. That is a sense that you just have. And you can feel the building of this murderous intent sort of boil up in frustration throughout the day until it gets inside this bar. And you can feel the cleaver give up on you, abandon you, let release its hold and search for another host. And you Uh, also got three successes here. Uh, but and we, I'm going to use all of those successes to be like, what is this cleaver? Ooh, okay, okay. <laughs> all right, I will allow this. So it was a magic roll to find the location of the cleaver. Now we're shifting it to understanding the nature of the cleaver. Or as much as, as, much as the successes can translate and allow. Huh? Mm. Okay, all right. I'm going to play a little bit. Uh, with our understanding of canon and reality, I think you had this book, this journal earlier um, that uh, Zana's feather was in, 
and you were kind of absentmindedly playing around with that. Jonnet, like you feel an icy grip on your heart and chest as you feel yourself remember that you read from this diary today and you didn't remember doing it. You didn't remember making the time to do it, but you read from it and things start to click together for you. This cleaver came from the Saratura. This cleaver is the property of someone who conducted experiments on behalf of the church, but more than that was in the thrall of the butcher. You understand that now, as the cleaver has released its hold on you, released the ways that it was concealing its true nature from you and trying to snare you deeper into its thrall, your mind, your sight allowed you to glean part of its true nature. This is in some way an artifact of the butcher, and it is gone. Uh, 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 Gable? Yes, you, you just uh, stood up very quickly in that and sat back down. Yeah, yeah, Gable, I goofed. I goofed. I got the, 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 the cle the, you s- cleaver from t- earlier today. What uh, what the cleaver? I had a cleaver. I had a cleaver from earlier today. I was I was carrying it around. It felt nice in the hand, and I think the cleaver was trying to come at me, maybe murder me, and 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 now it's not on my belt loop, and I think it's somewhere here at Sorrow's End now. <laughs> and did uh did I get anything in the like in the 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 magic roll? Mm-hmm. Did I get anything that like led like points in a direction of where it has be has gone? So because you decided to redirect your successes towards um understanding the nature of the cleaver, Fair. what I am going to do here is. You now that you recognize this this murderous intent that is like kind of wafting in the air mm-hmm. as an artifact of the butcher's influence, your eye as you cast about the room sees the miasma of the butcher all around. You can see it wafting off of uh, different people around you, curling from their limbs, spots on their chests. Uh, just in in certain obvious wounds and injuries like lapping at their blood. The butcher is here in a way that is hard to place. Mm. You can see its influence everywhere and the cleaver has clearly stolen itself away into that influence. Being attached to it all day, you can feel that will. You had a big knife that you were carrying around all day. And you've lost it now. Gable, I have a question for you. Mm. As you were leaving Haven, Cerise gave you prophecies. Prophecies that you underwent a ritual to seal inside glass baubles. And they were specifically uh, tied to requests that Cerise had for you to ease her suffering by acting in this town, the town that you are in right now. So I want to know where are 
those baubles. Where do you keep them on your person? How big were they? They weren't very big. Yeah, I, I want to say like uh, smaller than a bocce ball, you know? <laughs> it's a tremendous. Yeah, that's <laughs> a reference point that we all have. Not the ones that you do to score, but like the one that you're trying to, to get yes, your lie near. Yes, yes, yeah. I think at a certain point they were going to put it in with their rock collection, but they haven't had time. So it's just clanging around loose in their pockets, which is not a very subtle situation. So just just in one of the pockets clanging around. How do they make how does one make itself known to you now? Uh, static electricity. It just gets z- starts zinging at me. Yeah, um, I love that. Yeah, ow, you feel ow, across ow. your body, all of your hairs start to stand on end until like movements cause like static shocks to hit you. And soon it's everything that you touch uh, produces a static shock of some kind uh, very reliably. There's almost no way – like you try to hold still but even subtle movements start to produce it. And as you make more dramatic movements, there's pop, 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 snap. <laughs> and I go in the pocket to see where it's coming from and pull it out. Uh, so one of these baubles in glass that appears to have like – murky swirls of red inside like it it's bright in this room which is like kind of dimly lit with 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 just candles and lanterns like this bobble although it doesn't illuminate the area around it it's very visible to you and because this prophecy is sealed inside this bobble liz i want to know how would gable receive the prophecy how would Gable open it up to gain the knowledge inside? It's probably not best to do it in a public place. If there's like a big pitcher of water nearby, just Gable turns to John. One second, I think I have to answer my messages. <laughs> <laughs> they take a they take a jug of water, and. Uh, not knowing what else to do, sort of crack it like an egg and pour the miasma in there. Oh yeah, I just think like you... it, it's electricity, wa- water, wire. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you, I think you can absolutely do that. And there is like a flash, almost like a camera flash. Mm. Um, it's so sudden and so startling, like the entire room uh, takes notice and like quiets down for a second. Nobody has ever seen a phenomenon that even approaches this. And it was so bright and so quick, it's hard to tell where it came from in the room, if it came from anywhere. But the pitcher of water now has this faint glowing quality, but it is not quite shocking you anymore. Sorry, I lit a, lit a birthday candle. It's it's someone's birthday. Someone's it's- it's me. It's someone's it's birthday. Me. Happy, birthday Happy birthday to me. Lit a, uh, a big candle. Is that Janet saying it's me? Yes. <laughs> it's my birthday. Um, uh, and, and we are celebrating me. And you all should celebrate me uh, as well. Happy birthday to... So for this cool cover story that you have just concocted <laughs> oh, no. right now, I, mm. I pulled a luminary. <laughs> um, and I did get the island uh, as the <laughs> luminary. Uh, so this one mm. doesn't work out in your favor. Okay. Here's yeah. what 
happens. Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, I've got a show coming up. February 29th through March 3rd, I'll be at Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle, Washington. You can watch me and Jeff and John from System Mastery do the Netflix and Kill Game Show March 1st, 12.45pm in Room 423. We'll be searching monster manuals for matches for the audience, where they'll be able to decide whether they take them home or bury them in the ground. Then Saturday, March 2nd at 2 p.m. in room 327, we'll be doing the Ultimate Dungeon Meister Show, an improvised actual play that uses exercises from my books and the Dungeon Meister line. We would love to have some heroes in the audience to cheer us on, and we're going to be planning a meetup at some point for everybody in the Seattle area during that convention, so stay tuned to this channel. Of course, this book tour is celebrating our new books coming out this year. For me, coming up in March, I'm releasing the Ultimate RPG Game Master's Guide, which is a guide to how I approach role-playing games as a game master. So if you enjoy what you're listening to on this show, there is going to be some useful advice for you in that book. Jeff and John are going to be releasing the Deck of Many Drinks, a role-playing tool based on drinks that they came up with for the Dungeon Meister's Drink Master Guide, and the Dungeon Meister Random Monster Generator that allows you to randomly create a monster by selecting a head, torso, and legs that may not necessarily match up, but will each provide unique powers. That's a 5e tool, but it will still be a ton of fun. I also have a new project coming up from Simon & Schuster this year that hasn't been announced yet, uh, doesn't have a release date yet, but I am so extremely excited about it. It is probably my favorite thing that I've ever put out through Simon & Schuster. So I will be telling you about it soon, but uh, one-shot patrons will definitely get a sneak peek. Speaking of one-shot patrons, thanks to everybody who supports us on Patreon. Without you, this show would not be possible. I do have some bonus content coming up for you. Right now, I am in the middle of the most insanely time-consuming edit to save some damaged audio from Archubo's campaign. But as soon as I get that sorted out, we will be able to restore Archubo's campaign, which will be posting opposite Starwall, which has a new episode coming up next week. And of course, there is some Skyjack stuff waiting in the wings. As always, a huge thank you to everyone who supports us already and everyone who's going to support us in the future. Before we get back to the show, I want to point out that I just had my last episode as main host for One Shot. That was for a star-crossed solo series. I really loved doing it. Uh, you should check it out if you haven't already. But be prepared for next week, because we are going to announce our new host. Thanks to everybody who filled out surveys, letting us know how they felt the auditions went. It really helped us make our decision. Now, a quick word from our sponsor... With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. And with all that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. 
There's this flash in the room. Everybody's confused. And Gable steps in with a, hey, it's somebody's birthday. And Jonnet hops in on that right away, takes takes birthday responsibility. The thing that you don't anticipate Jonnet as uh, the themes of uh, the island are imprisonment, doom, and the hateful sea, you are kind of immediately surrounded by birthday celebrants. Uh, Everybody in this close-knit community takes birthdays quite seriously. Uh, (laughs) And immediately they surround you, they pick you up, they start singing songs. They start like uh, clapping and singing. And every time you move away, they put you through a birthday tradition. And like the birthday traditions range from there's a special birthday song that needs to be sung. Then there are birthday kisses that need to be given. Then there are birthday <laughs> slaps that need to be given. And like, it's this whole affair. Every time you try to move away, like you get pulled back towards it. And Gable, like you realize that, hey, everything got redirected from the magic. Jonnet was kind of talking about something serious for a second. I have this prophecy and it looks like John is trying to get back to me, but that ain't happening for him right now. Okay. okay. I will, <laughs> in the time given to me, examine the prophecy. Um, and John is running defense, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a matter of gulping this drink down. Really? Ugh. Yeah. You cracked it like an egg into this pitcher. There's a, in one of the, the toasts, Everyone's going around the room and saying uh, what they wish you have in the new year. And yeah. after one of the, yeah, clinking, and then there's a big glug, glug, glug along with that. Yeah. Ugh. Gable, the pitcher drains down. And as the liquid pours down your throat, kind of shocking as it goes, like it's painful and you can also like feel little tenses of your muscles. Um moving like a combination of of water and electricity across your mind are the truth of this prophecy of the past, of an event that has happened here before. And it plays out in a way that feels dreamlike and indistinct. You first become aware of limbs, extremities, Tissues, eventually bodies form from them. They are formed of a red hue. You can feel sensations through it. The sensations of dozens, then hundreds, maybe thousands, a thousand more people. They become more and more intense to the point where they're unignorable difficult to deal with. Simultaneously, you feel measures of intense pain, measures of intense comfort, of pleasure, so much sensation, the sensation of so many people all rocketing towards you at once. You're aware that this is unnatural, that their bodies strain from this, and you feel their desperation all at once within you. Then you feel them branch out, branch out seeking different comforts. You feel water, warm 
water that quenches the intensity like a fire. You feel the burning pick of a needle tearing at flesh that lights up so bright, so intensely, it makes you feel as though you will overwhelm, as though you will collapse in on yourself and pass away. And then it is followed by a calm. Then you feel the icy picking of flesh, a sensation that you have felt before, that you have had you have had the great misfortune of feeling before. It is flaying. Back in the Saratura, you were imprisoned, subject to experiments. But of course, you were not the only creature subject to those experiments. There were other fallen. Fallen whose feathers you have happened to pick up and this sensation, this prophecy, now brings to you their memories. How carefully, almost delicately, sharp knives, sharp edges teased away the outer layers of their flesh in long strips. And how that flesh, as is cursed the way that fallen are, had to remain alive. You feel that pulled away. And you can feel that in the confused sensations of human beings, the edges of their flesh pulled away. But they are not like fallen. That flesh does not remain alive. It quiets itself. It becomes peaceful. You can feel something laid over the wound, something that laps at the blood, that feeds off of it. In it, you feel the desire, the will of the butcher. Yes, some solace was offered here, solace from the touch of scarlet, and it was offered by the butcher. All it asked was for a pound of flesh which was carefully and lovingly teased away by members of this community who had concern, who had urgent need to lay to rest the suffering of their fellows. And perhaps uncharacteristically of the butcher, this solace was offered. Their flesh was offered and sacrificed to the butcher, in its stead laid on their bodies, was fabric. That fabric acted like skin, was stitched on. But once that work was done, grim and bloody as it was, the scarlet quieted for a select few. You can see years of this practice. At first, awful especially feeling the sensations, intellectually too awful. You know the lumens, you have dealt with them on many occasions. Even those that smile upon humans kindly carry their prices and their hooks. 
if you could see the way someone might be led astray, that someone might believe that the butcher cruelly requested flesh, but did honor its agreement and quieted this pain. It's not until later, not until you can feel this false flesh that sits atop the skin of the patchwork people who surround you. You can feel it on them and you can feel the way years ago, two years ago, it overtook them. How patches of their skin that had been torn away and replaced to lessen the suffering caused by the scarlet began to move on their own against the will of the people who owned it. How they seized upon others and exacted deeper prices for the butcher. And you can feel people being put down, freed from the influence of the butcher through violence, through bullets, through knives, whatever it took. And you can feel the practice of the butcher's price, the pound of flesh, being paid not, not ceasing, but being paid less. People moving to this only when the scarlet burned at them far too much, and they could think of nothing else. People flirting with an abyss, making themselves knowing that this price could be a final price, could be a price that is being paid not just by them, by the community around them, seeing no way out. You can feel the patchwork flesh still exists, but you know a heavier price looms over it. This is something that Cerise, back in Haven, witnessed. The whole bloody chapter played across her mind through the shattered tendrils of her remaining feathers that she used once to watch the sins of the world. This was something that she could not ignore, but something that she was powerless to do anything about, something that she was forced to watch, something that she entrusted to you, the angel of judgment, a wrong that must be righted. And in time, your mind is once again your own with the memories that you unlocked and the feathers that you gathered, the fellow fallen that were with you in the Saratura, the ways that they suffered, you unlock their power as well. Their eyes flutter open on your feathers. You feel a resurgence of strength, a resurgence of purpose. And you have the vision. I think Gable pops back into themselves, breathes, and immediately vomits. But I, I think at that same t- time, a real think, creepy weirdo at the end of the bar says, I'll have what she's having. <laughs> 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 Get out of here, Howard. Get out. Get out. It's a public space. I'll be back. 
And then crab walks out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Get that crab out of here. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that right now. Um, coming, like, covered in sweat, obviously very sick. It's getting late at night anyway. Uh, I think, uh, like, I think too that it, like, maybe at that you feel like a tugging on like your sleeve and it's John at being like, can we leave? Can we leave? I don't think anybody needs to be here anymore. <laughs> There's no reason to be, no, no reason to be here anymore. Uh, it's time for the birthday boy to get to bed. Let's yeah, all- yeah, time for bed. Time to get, got a, got a growing boy. Got a, got a, got a, for me, he's a jolly good fellow. Got a, okay, thanks everybody. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. And we go out into the night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think, are you okay? Oh, oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Uh, do you, where? Cause I got some onos too. All right. Uh, the, 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 we, we have, there is a, an, a weapon that wants human, like a sacrifice of some kind uh-huh. that I have lost track of. Cool. I know whose that is. Okay. What? I, ha- this, I guess Oh, I we- thought this was just a me thing. No, no, no. <laughs> it seems like we... Hey, you know how everywhere we go, we also have additional homework? <laughs> Wait, what, what, what is the homework? What do, you, what, what do you know about the homework that I don't? Oh, God. I'm so... I'm going to barf again. Ah! And uh, we, I sort of sit down in, the, in, a, in a cool spot next to, uh, like, uh, in, in an alley and sort of go through... Okay, so sorry she gave me. <sighs> we actually I might I might interrupt you here, Liz, because I realize kind of the things that are in motion. Mm-hmm. Um we've met a couple NPCs here, a couple named NPCs here, and we have the cleaver of the butcher on the loose. Yeah. Um and I need to determine in this moment if you're very lucky or very unlucky. So I'm going to draw a luminary. Wait, Gable or me? Because today has not mm. been, we've been unlucky today. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people have been pretty unlucky today. But <laughs> see, we have these NPCs here. Angelo, Andy, oh. Barnabas, Ariel. A lot of A names in here. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Strikes yeah, yeah. <laughs> me that there's a distinct possibility that that's too many A names. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> And again, we got to determine if you're very lucky or very unlucky. So I'm just going to draw this luminary. Mm. And that's the audience. That is the most dramatic thing that could possibly happen is what happens. Mm -hmm. You, the viewer at home, come to see us. (laughs) So I, I, you know, I'm going to pull my fellow players here between Ariel, Barnabas, Angelo, and Andy. Who is the most dramatic Oh, who would be the most dramatic if something bad happened to them? Bad happened to them. I mean, dramatic. if uh, it's, it's, oh, it's Angela, like just it's, like the amount of times like that Angelo. we've said this guy is great. No, no, <laughs> like, yeah, no, not yeah. my friend. No, <laughs> it has to be. 
Oh, no, not my friend. Gable, you Gable go can't down make friends. into this alley and you try to sort things. Like you've just you've just not been in your body. You've been in thousands of human bodies in a lot of ways. You have been in the body of other fallen in a lot of ways. Like mentally, even walking out, there was a bit of stumble to your step for how disoriented you were. It is a clash between the being that you were created as and the being that you are after transubstantiation. Uh, apart from the fact that you've been severed from death, you are in a mortal body, yet still connected to the universe through the divine tendrils of your wings. Uh, it is hard to be two things at once. Uh, you're still feeling nauseated. You stumble into the alley. You you sit against the wall. You try to gather yourself. You're trying to talk to Jonnet. Jonnet is telling you important things. You're trying to express important things to Jonnet. And then you see a puddle of blood and a body that is still alive but grievously wounded and is current like currently shaking and sputtering. You see Angelo has been slashed across the chest, like uh, from like neck shoulder down across the chest. There's a massive gaping wound and a huge puddle of blood is spilling out from him. Gable, you have, because this is the audience, seconds to act. So it dealt you the hand of this is the worst possible person that this could have happened to. Angelo has two beautiful kids. They're at a great age. (laughs) <laughs> but you do have an opportunity to intervene. What okay. do you do? Uh, I, uh, I, I cast magic. Just that's worth it to save uh, a person's life. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I think I've this got is like going to be a bedeviling check. I, I, I will... think I have two leftover points of fate from a previous encounter. Do those expire? Mm, uh, you can use them now. You should use them I now. Will... I would love to. <laughs> so if I had two points of fate and I, okay, <laughs> I have four D8s, that'll four bring D8s. up. So that would be two D12s and two D8s right now. Two D12s and two D8s. So I will do that. Mm. Okay. That is a four, a one on the D12s and a five and a one on the D8s. Wow. You are successful. <gasps> oh, Angela. Lucky. You are successful with opportunities. Oh. So I am going to ask you the nature of your opportunities here because there are a lot of different ways that this could go. I I think the choice that I have for you is you're acting very immediately. And this is powerful magic that you are levying. Um, This man is on the brink of death. A second more and he would be gone. And even a metaphysician would not be able to save him under these circumstances. There is a chance that your magic uh, – I'm going to create three outcomes that could be unfavorable to you, and you are going to get rid of two of them. Mm-hmm. Great. There's a chance that somebody could see you. There's a chance that Angelo will know it is you that saved him and know that you worked with like a power that – a human probably couldn't have. There is a chance because you are levying divine power that divine forces might know. Okay. 
I would like to get rid of the divine forces because that's going to be a ton of trouble and anyone else seeing us. Great. Real quick. Um, Do we know where is Angelo in this? Is are we seeing him in front of Gable like in an or alleyway like way outside? In, right, you. Move so it's in an alleyway, like next to the bar, essentially. Gotcha. I, oh man, I don't know why. For a second, I was like, I thought this was a vision, and then the magic was reaching out to Angelo, like through by way of mm. just like projecting out. Okay, this, cool. Yeah, thank you. This, He's right. Yeah, next this to alleyway us. Yeah, is yeah. not lit, and like Gable just like sat down in the alleyway, and like gotcha. I think put put a hand down and put like a hand down in a pool of blood because um, Angela has bled so much. Woof. No, 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 no. Woof. Um. Yeah. You heal Angelo. You have enough successes that Angelo is like probably going to be woozy but there are not there's not going to be permanent damage associated with this wound like those wounds close up i would actually like you to describe what does a divine healing from gable and like this emergency moment look like oh god i think it's sloppy it sort of just slurps the wound back up and turns it into what looks like a the sort of sc- twisty scars you get when you're struck by lightning mm-hmm. Ooh. and sort of like goes up you like a root but obviously mm. only in one place where the where the cut happened but it's not the sort of scar that would happen from a, a large cut like that so it's, it's weird yeah yeah and i think it like it heals up to the way to the point where it looks like it has been healed for years even though mm-hmm. it is new um angelo like gasps for breath um on the ground <laughs> what happened hey 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 what happened what happened you're fine oh, does, what happened does angelo have a sense of like who came at him angelo does not have a sense of who did it angelo saw a figure in the dark and the glint of the edge of a blade and then he felt it and then his vision started to swim. He felt faint and he fell to the ground. I was uh, walking home and I was working out the next letter to my kids. They're so great. They're such a great age. And uh, a blade came at me and and, he, and you. And then I think at that, like he, he like he, he passes out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. John, we need to, I don't know if we need to just take him to the pub. I don't know where the doctors are, but I don't think we can stay. We can't stay here. We need to figure am out. I, am I good to move him? And he, he's already kind of like uh, saddling up to Angelo. Well, would John be able to pick him up? I think John is going to try to pick him up regardless. Hey, pal, you have given John a lot of prowess. So, yeah. Yes, I'm I have. pretty sure John can pick and him I up. And I almost never roll it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I need to steal you and Liz to the side uh, to do some more robust character creation so we can get the rest of your abilities sorted out uh, soon. Um, that might be something we address boop, there. Boop, boop, boop. All right, so we are rolling these. And you know what? I'm spending four. Ooh, a full <laughs> stick of butter. All right. Yeah, yes. What is what if what happens if I spend four? 
Damn. Uh, I mean, I'll say you spend a full bar on prowess. We're going to have to work out an ability. Uh, Jonnet definitely has some sort of full bar prowess spend in him. But for now, I'll say in this time when somebody needs you, you find the strength to do the impossible thing. Uh, you pick up this man and you are unburdened by it. It might even be you are picking him up with echoes of the strength that you will one day have as a fully grown man, a state that you are rapidly approaching. Mm, Yeah, and I think with that, he's going to, oh, well, maybe John, it like rushes him over to the metaphysician because that's that's somewhere that we've been. We kind of know know where where that that spot is. I Um, I think you head to the metaphysician. I suppose I'm here over a matter of copper. I'm a brightsmith by trade. Or, I suppose, I should say I'm normally a brightsmith by trade. Might as well say I'm a factory worker now, distilling dyes. Of course, working copper and brass is pretty common. Sometimes there's coal for nickel or pewter. And very, very rarely I'd get occasion to work with gold or silver. Wild to think I'd have several months' salary just pinched between my fingers sometimes, but even holding all that wealth all at once. Copper's the thing that got me in trouble, isn't it? You see, brightsmith work is specialised. Most people who have occasion to use something like brass would much rather be working with something like iron or steel. The only cases where they don't is because they can't. You live in an area with enough folk, though, and enough work comes your way that you can keep the doors open. It's well enough living hand-to-mouth, Most people can't avoid doing that. But the things that really keep you safe, that keep you warm at night, are the big contracts. The few times where some fool needs a very lot of something. Occasionally you'll find a hooper who has to have barrels with brass bindings. Usually something to do with folklore or some like, but it generally does keep pretty well in wet environments. Maybe some rich snot who needs a lot of tat cast a tin. That's not the job that came through my door, though. The job that came through my door was pressing bits. Putting together bars for the Red Feather Syndicate. Now, many folk are familiar enough with spending coin, but very few know how it's made. They've got a system for their bars. All their coins, really. You've got your bars, which can be hacked down individually into bits, and those are tracked in how they're spent. Every time a bit is passed to a certified business, it ought to be stamped with the seal of the port where it was spent. Every bit has six sides. One side shows where it was minted, another side shows which ship carried it out of port, and then there are four sides for the seals of the ports where it's spent. Now, bits will change hands privately. You can settle your private debts without bringing seals into it. But if you're paying for something like lodging, food supply, Clothing, metal, 
All that gets passed to some poor business owner who's got to fix it with a seal. And whichever owner ends up with that fourth seal, they've got to trade off that coin to the Red Feather Syndicate. And in exchange, they're supposed to get a completely unstamped bit or bar in return. I've been told that all of this is for their ledgers, for their tracking of how their trade moves across the whole of the rediscovered world. Some poor bastard deep in the heart of Aram takes every single one of those bits and looks at every single one of those seals and writes it down in some book. And they study those books about how their ships are moving back and forth. And that's how they decide where their routes are going to be, who they're trading with, where they're moving coin. Most people say that when Redfeather coin is in high demand, things are going well. Lots of bits change in hands, lots of people line in their pockets and fill in their bellies. But see, there's a problem. When Redfeather coin is moving, eventually it's fallen into the hands of businesses that need to press their seal. And you can only pass through four of those before the coin is dead. Now, when the treasuries of Redfeather ports are full to the brim with fresh coin, there's no problem at all. Maybe a bit of inconvenience, as you have to send someone to run over and swap out your bars and bits for you in the middle of the day. But if those treasuries are full of stamped bits, well, then you've got no coin to spend. You could be the richest folk in town, but if you're sitting on top of a mountain of stamped-up silver, then you've got no money at all. And the feathers aren't fond of sending out huge holes full of unstamped coins, because they're a might target for pirates. And the sort of honor guard you'd need to protect a shipment like that, well, it's expensive. So while they're supposed to do most of the minting and accounting deep in the heart of the rediscovered world at some fort nearby Aram, demand simply can't keep up with that. You need to keep adding new coin to the system. Which means, on rare occasion, contracting a brightsmith like myself. Now I can see the crooked wheels turning in your head. Saying, Finn, what if one of these businesses should simply forget to put their seal on a bit? Or if I took my coin to a brightsmith such as yourself, couldn't you tamp out a seal that had been put into it? Or if you were a contracted brightsmith, couldn't you mix down the copper and stretch things out a bit? Walk away with part of the sum in materials? I'd say to you, Everything that you suggested is considered by corporate policy destruction of red feather goods, which is jailing and in some case hanging offences, all of which, of course, can be paid off by a hefty fine. Oh, don't look at me like that. I'm a good man and one of my word. I would never do something like that. I've got no love for the red feathers, but when someone walks through my door and contracts me for trade, I take it serious, and I honour every letter of the contract we sign. So if the feathers ask me for copper bars, they get copper bars. Now, I mostly work in a hand shop, so an order for a few hundred bars is well past what I normally work with. And they wanted 1,000. 1,000 copper bars. Just two copper bits will get a man through a week. It'll be a lean and hungry week, but a full week. One thousand copper bars. Think of how many wages that represents. Think of how much it would represent for me. I had to accept. Had to. 
There's no way that a brightsmith like me could turn down that kind of work. There's nothing that comes through my door that's so steady. And the work that I do stays done. So even if I've got loyalty from customers, they're only ever going to need five or six things for me in their lifetime. No. How could you turn down 1,000 copper bars? Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. Do you love Star Wars but kind of wish you didn't? Then join us on the Expounded Universe podcast as we read through all the old Star Wars novels that took the galaxy far, far away that you know and love and turned it into a place where Han Solo can punch a giant otter and Luke Skywalker almost gets eaten by a giant gold-plated pillar of Dinty Moore beef stew. Did you like Princess Leia? Well, too bad! Now she's a space racist. Don't believe me? You'll just have to listen to find out on Expounded Universe. You can find more great gaming shows over at oneshotpodcast.com. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. Tyler is on strike alongside his fellow members of the WGA and SAG-AFTRA. You can support Tyler and other striking artists by contributing to the Entertainment Community Fund, linked in our show notes. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at LizAnderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at PhantomArtsENT, or streaming at twitch.tv slash theneoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG, or on my podcast, One Shot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him over on Twitter at Arnie Parrott, or on his website, ATP Tunes. This episode was edited by Allie Grauer, who can be found on Twitter at Dreams to Become, or on her podcast, Skyjack's Courier's Call. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Lunarum. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show was made in part by using a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals. There are no kings. Take flight. Health to the strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends ne'er to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky. <laughs>